Um, there we go. Uh, I've been kind of looking at the youth strategy over the last three or four months, um, and I think it's just really key, even in looking into the lives of uh, your children, uh, our young people, if you're here as a volunteer. Um, so I just want to start by praying. Um, so let's do that. Father God, I thank you that you have a heart for young people, God, that you care about the teenagers, not just in our church, but in our community, God. And I pray that as we look at this strategy, as we hear um, what you've put on my heart, God, I pray that you would just excite us, God. Would you um, impassion us, God? Would you um, make us excited about what is to come, God? And I pray that ultimately, as a result of this strategy, Lord, we would see so many young people not just come to know you, God, but stay following you for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to start uh, by sharing a little story with you. Um, in the summer, most of you will know, we took, uh, Sol, uh, we took Resound to Soul Survivor. And uh, one of the evenings, a lady called Danielle Strickland was speaking. And she was speaking about the Holy Spirit. And um, she was, I, I could tell by the way she was speaking that she was coming into, into land and coming into her response. And she said, I really feel like God's saying we need to pray for some leaders tonight, particularly youth leaders. And I was like, okay. And she said, she said uh, we, I want to pray for some leaders that feel empty. And I was like, God, do you want me to respond this, to this? I'm like, have, I wasn't saying it out loud because that would be weird for the young people. But I was like, having this conversation with God in my head going, God, God, do you want me to respond to this? Do I need to respond to this? Is, are you prompting me? And while I'm having this conversation, and I'm still listening to Danielle speaking, I noticed out the corner of my eye, one of the young people just turn and have a little glance at me to see what was going on. And then another young person just turned and looked at me. And I was thinking, just ignore them, Andy. Just focus, you and God, just, just ignore the young people. And then I saw someone turn around and look at me. And I'm still trying to say, I'm still having this conversation with God, going, God, do I need to respond to this? Are you speaking to me right now, Lord? And before I could even finish like, my conversation with God, the young people had started poking me, going, go on, Andy, respond. We want to pray for you. Stand up, stand up, Andy. It, it, it was as if I was poking them to stand and respond when they need to respond to stuff. Um, so I stood, and I was like, I don't know whether I'm responding for me or for the young people or what God, but I'm here. Um, and it was a really nice moment that the young people kind of forced me to respond and really wanted to pray for me, which was lovely. Um, and we'd gone with another group, a church uh, from Quinton. And afterwards, one of the leaders from that group just came and shared a picture with me. And uh, he shared a picture and he said, I feel like God showed me a picture of you climbing a mountain. And he said, I feel like up to now, you've been scrambling up the mountain. You've been trying to get up the mountain as quick as possible. And if you know me, I like to get things done quickly. And uh, he said, but I feel like God's saying it's time for you to step back and look for the best path up the mountain and the best way. And, you know, I've been in this role for 20 months now. Um, and I feel like looking back, there's been times when I've scrambled up the mountain that I've tried to get up as quick as possible. And I've just thought, let's get our heads down and let's do it. And over the last three or four months, um, it's been a time of stepping back and going, what is the best way forward? What is the best way and the best path up this mountain so that we want to see our young people making an impact for the kingdom of God? Um, so that's what tonight is all about, really, is, is sharing a little bit of the vision and the strategy of where we're going forward. Um, but before we do that, I want to 
kind of look at some highlights for the past year. That's a nice little photo of us all when we went ice skating just before Christmas last year. Um, so most of the young people are on that, um, although we have gained a few since then, which is great news. Um, but this time last year, we launched Freedom in Christ with Resound. Uh, Resound's our year nines to year 11s. Um, and that had such a powerful impact on the young people. I, I cannot begin to tell you the impact that's had. Um, it's given them a real solid foundation. Um, a particular highlight for me, um, well, one interesting moment is we uh, the night that was down to look at spiritual warfare happened to fall on the 31st of October, which is Halloween, which was just like ridiculous. But it was it was a really powerful night because uh, the young people, like one of the young people, made a sign saying, "I am not scared of the devil," and just kept holding it up and looking at people, which was great. Um, but when we did the steps day, we uh, spent a Saturday down in youth, and uh, we gave them all the booklets to work through it. Um, and I literally sat at the front of the room and just said, right, okay, you need to move on to the next bit now. And they would read it through. They'd fill in what they needed to fill in. And then they put their marker up to say that they were done praying. Um, and we went through the booklet uh, bit by bit and waited and we did it all as a group. Um, and when I got home, I kind of just turned to Laura and said, it's been an amazing day. Our young people have spent five or six hours just ministering to themselves, spending their own time with God without us doing anything. All we've done is say, move on to the next bit. And, and for me, that was an amazing tool to be able to put in the young people's hands and say, just because I work for the church doesn't mean I've got a special line to God, but you can have a, have a conversation and deal with this stuff yourself. You don't need a youth leader to do that kind of stuff. I'm not saying sack me. Please don't do that because I need to eat. <laughs> We also have launched Excel Life Group in the past 12 months, and that's been great. We've had a real core of about 8 to 10 young people, and there's a bit of a community being developed there, um, which is great, and it's great to get to know the guys. Uh, we took them uh, to Excel. We, sorry, we took Excel to Fort Rocky last uh, September, and we took 12 young people. And on the Saturday night, they did a gospel presentation um, and gave the young people a chance to make a decision to follow Jesus. And every one of our 12 stayed behind to say, yeah, I want to make a decision. Um, and that was just a real privilege for me, Jal, and Laura to be able to sit with the guys and pray that through. Um, and it was even better the next morning in the youth leaders meeting when I could go, well, all of our 12 stayed behind. Um, it made me feel really good. Um, we, uh, in January, we did um, something... Uh, we did a session off the back of the story of Shammah. Shammah's one of David's mighty men, um, and he defends his field against the Philistines. Um, and we talked to the young people about, you know, what is God calling you to defend? What is God calling you to stand up and say, this is my patch, and you're not going to come near it, and I'm going to defend it? Um, and the response off that was incredible. We saw young people talking about uh, social injustice, about poverty, about trafficking. And these are young people saying, I want to stand up and make a difference. This is what God's putting in my heart. And I, and I want to stand up and make a difference about it, which has just been incredible. And it's become a real part of our language as we talk about stuff. And um, the young people have really got that. Um, college age has been great. Uh, we've seen quite a few of our guys uh, we've seen a couple of our guys go into gap year. Um, so Dan Jones this year is doing a gap year with church. Um, and that's a really great opportunity for them to develop um, in their faith, but also in their skills and their experience as well. Um, and a lot of the college-age guys are serving right across the life of the church. Um, they're involved in the kids' work. They serve on a Friday night in Hub. They're part of uh, the band. They're, 
they've uh, some of them went out to Zambia, a lot of them went out to Bulgaria as well. Um, so we're seeing college-age guys serving right across the life of the church as well, which is incredible. Um, we've baptised ten young people in the last 12 months. Um, and I mean, last Sunday, those two were in the figures as well, <laughs> um, Amy and Luke. And that was just a real powerful um, message coming from those guys, really, of what God's done in their life. Um, and it's it's been a real privilege for me, you know, um, 12 months ago, I hadn't baptised anybody before, and I had the privilege of baptising quite a few young people over the last 12 months, and that's, that's been a real honour and a privilege for me to, to be able to do that. Um, in Hub, on a Friday night, we've seen 753 individual young people come through our doors in the last 12 months. That's incredible. Um, 352 of those guys were new, so 12 months ago, we'd not met them before, um, which is just amazing the the facilities that we've got downstairs are just like the second to none they fabulous facilities i've got youth worker friends all over the country that when they come and visit they always refer to me as a cat because i've landed on my feet uh, and it's just incredible facilities we had a uh, governor b in uh, governor b is a christian rapper he's really cool he's nominated for a mobo award um in the next i think it's coming up in the next few months um but he he was just brilliant. Like uh, we, he came and did a kind of concert thing, and halfway through, he finished the song, and he just said, "Right, everybody, sit down. I want to tell you a story about how God's changed my life." Now, if I did that to 150 young people in Hub on a Friday night, nobody would take a blind bit of notice, and there'd be chaos. But because this guy was cool and he's a rapper, everybody sat down, and you could hear a pin drop. And this guy shared his story. We were able to give out um, four points tracks, which basically explain the gospel story to the young people. Um, and we've seen real opportunity off the back of that as well. We've got Governor B coming back in a few months. And we've got other artists coming in as well in, in the end of November, beginning of December. Um, and we've booked Tough Talk as well, um, who are a bunch of weightlifters who, who lift weights and then share their testimony. Um, I'm going to lift some weights as well and for a laugh. Um, but there's a real opportunity there with the young people to be able to share our faith with them. And we're currently seeing, um, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a girl come uh, on a Sunday off the invite of a leader on a Friday night, and she just turned up and said, you invited me, and I'm here. Um, and God did some stuff in our life, which is incredible, and we're, we're hoping to connect her in a little bit more. There's, there's more and more young people showing an interest in coming. Some young people said, are we... Are we allowed to come to church on a Sunday? <laughs> and we were like, "Yes, you are definitely allowed to come." Um, so it's been it's been a great twelve months. They, those are just a couple of highlights, really. Um, and you know, it's it's been good, but I think we can be greater. And I'm really excited, looking forward. I really want more. Um, when I first started twenty months ago, I wrote a vision statement, um, and I've changed it slightly recently, and it says this, we want to see generations of young people causing trouble in the community, not asbos and arrests, but a Jesus-driven culture where we are so desperate for God to move that we can't sit still until he does, with worship so loud and enthusiastic that chairs can't contain us, evangelism so effective that two Sunday services just aren't enough, all of that underpinned with a faith so real that impossible leaves our language. That excites me. That, that gets me up in the morning. I, that's what I want to see, not just, not just in the church, but in the community as well. I want to see that. I want to see young people just drawn to God and desperate to live a life serving Jesus. But we've got a problem, and it's a bit of a Titanic problem. 
On the Titanic, there were 2,228 people. Of those people, 1,523 drowned. That is a loss of 68%. If you took a class of 50 naught to nine-year-olds in Sunday school in 1985, so I was born in 1986, so this is my generation, only 15 of those would still be going to church today. That's a loss of 70%. So you have got more chance of surviving on the Titanic than you have of making it through your teens and still being a Christian. That breaks my heart. I'm sick and tired of young people losing their faith when they get to 18, 19, 20. I'm fed up of seeing young people just walk away from it. And I want to do everything I can as a youth worker to reverse that stat. You know, it's a, it's a nationwide problem that we look at the church and say there's not enough 20s to 30s. And as a youth worker, I see it as my responsibility to, to build into our young people to make it through those, those 18 to 23 years, really, where, where they are going to get their faith challenged, they're going to have life decisions to make, and we want to we build into them to make good decisions and still follow Jesus. That is why we have developed the win. This is the big win. I couldn't resist the picture of Stephen Gerrard in my slideshow tonight. Um, but this is, this is the big thing. What, what is the youth work all about? And this is it. A young person is a fully active and devoted follower of Jesus and making disciples at the age of 25 and beyond. That's what we're here for. That is, that is how we know we're doing a good job. That is, for me, that's the end game. When I look at a young person who's 15, I'm thinking, in 10 years' time, I want to see you still going for it and still loving Jesus and serving Jesus and making disciples. That's what makes me go, get in there. That's what, and it's, it's a long-term thing, but I think, actually, if I meet some of these young people, and hopefully I will still know them in 10 years' time, you know, and if they're still serving Jesus, I... I'll be dancing like Steven Gerrard is on that picture because I would celebrate more than I celebrate any goal at a football match because that is, that is the win. That is what we're here to do. But that is quite long term and it's quite difficult to measure in the long term. Uh, sorry, in the short term. So I've uh, developed some short term and regular wins and these are, these are them. Um, consistent attendance. If young people come back, that tells me that we're doing a good job. Because young people very quickly, if they don't like something, will vote with their feet and won't come anymore. So if they attend them consistently, that tells me we're doing the right thing. Uh, inviting their friends. You know, when a young person invites their friends, even if they don't come, that's a celebratory moment for me. Because it tells me that they love Jesus so much that they're desperate for their friends to know him as well. So that for me is a huge win. I'm like, get in there. Even though they didn't come, it's still a great victory because you're inviting them. Uh, new Christians. We... Uh, we took a girl to Soul Survivor with us who wasn't a Christian. And uh, her two friends had invited her along. Uh, two friends are in Resound. And uh, she's, this girl had, had been coming on and off to Resound on a Wednesday night for, for about six months. And I, I said to her, look, you need to come to Soul Survivor. I come to Soul Survivor with us. So she did. Um, and I said to her friends, I said, look, I think she'll become a Christian at Soul Survivor. But we need to pray. So we prayed for her. And I said, you need to keep praying for her. Pray for her every day until we go to Soul Survivor. So we got to Soul Survivor, and on the first night, they did a response for people to become Christians, and I'm like, this is it. Come on, first night, that'd be brilliant. That's a great story. And she didn't, and I was like, oh. And, uh, you know, the, the first kind of three or four times they did responses for people to become Christians, she didn't move. Um, and then on the Thursday night, 
Um, they did a response and they kind of led through. They invited people up, people went forward, um, and they explained what was going to happen. And then they went into the prayer. And I was, I was disappointed. I was like, I may, I may have shattered this girl, these girls' faith. You know, I've said she's going to become a Christian, a soul survivor, and so far she hasn't. I'm like, oh no, should I have said that? Um, but I, I just felt frustrated. So I nudged one of the lads next to me and I said, where, where is she? Where do you think this girl is? And they said, she's over there. And I said, no, I mean, like, spiritually, where is she? And he was like, no, she's over there. And I was like, no, you're not getting me. And he was like, no, Andy, you're not getting me. Look. And as I turned and looked, she got up. Right at the start of the prayer, she went, I need to respond. And she responded to become a Christian. And it was a great moment because nobody, none of our group prayed because all our group were going, she's become a Christian. Look at her, she's up, she's up. And everyone was nudging each other. It was a really nice moment. And then when they... Um, what they do at Soul Survivor is when people become a Christian, they take them off to a separate tent to just explain it a little bit further and give them some literature. And when they turned to go off to another tent, the two, uh, two friends just turned to the youth group and went, yeah. And it was just like, for me, that's what it's all about. If I could bottle a moment and say, that's what it's about, that's it. Like, it was just an incredible moment. It was like, yeah, that, I could go home now because I... It's not getting any better this week after that. It was just a great moment. So seeing people become Christians is a, is a short-term win for us. Baptisms are amazing to hear their testimonies, to be able to see them baptized as well. They're real short-term wins. A social action, young people engaging with the needs of the community um, is really important for us. A worship, you know, seeing... Um, seeing the young people at church on a Sunday morning, putting their hands up and praising God for me is like, they're getting this. They are getting this. And I know for some young people, it's not in their nature and that, that's fine. But I think it's a good indicator when a young person is, is, is worshipping God. It says, you know what, they're, they're not so self-conscious that they're not willing to put their hands up, but they love Jesus and just go, do you know what, I don't care what anyone says. And that for me is a real win as well. Um, and their lifestyle as well. You know, when I see positive things written on Facebook, then I, I celebrate that. Because I think, actually, looking at a young person's Facebook is a real indicator of whether they're following Jesus or not. And I, that's a great way. So when I see positive stuff in their lifestyle, when I hear good stories of outside of school and, and I hear them talking about how they've talked to their friends about, about Jesus and their friends are asking them questions, for me, that's a real win. But I'm not aiming for these stuff. I'm aiming for the long-term win. But this is the short-term. These are little markers that say, we're doing a good job. We're getting this right. And if, if some of them drop off, that's when I'm concerned and going, are we doing the right thing here? Um, let's move on. So with all of those kind of wins and the long-term win in mind, um, we have made a little shift in the way that we're going to do our teaching. Um, you, you'll have seen this image on the postcards that you got when I sent out the letters, um, and it was on the screens as you came in. I think this picture represents our youth work quite well. Let me explain. Uh, classically, as youth workers, we're great at creating good environments. We've got a fantastic facility downstairs, but you know, if you think about it, when I came in, one of the first things that I did was I set up Resound Life Group. And for me, it was like, we need to get an environment where, there's, where these young people are meeting each other, where they're hanging out and building community. So let's just create a space. And youth workers are good at creating good spaces. But what youth workers classically aren't great at is filling those spaces with content. So that's why I think, if I look at our, our youth work at the moment, it's a bit of an empty room. 
We've got some fantastic facilities and we've got great environments for our young people to grow. All we've got to do is fill it with the right furniture and the right furnishings. We've got to fill it with the right content. You know, our goal is to see our young people still serving Jesus, making disciples at the age of 25 and beyond. So our approach has got to be everything looking towards that. Because if our approach isn't that, then our, our, we won't end up at that. Because every time your, your approach trumps your goal, if you've got one goal but you approach it in, a, in the wrong way, then you're not going to reach that goal. So what we're looking at is aiming towards 25. What can we do to make sure that our young people are still serving Jesus when they reach 25? I think over the last 12 months or so, we've been fairly reactive and responsive in the way that we teach. So, um, for example, if a young person, if I have a conversation with, with a young person and I realize they don't read their Bible, I'd be like, right, we need to do six sessions on how to read the Bible. And then halfway through that, I might have a conversation with another young person and realize everybody's getting off with each other. And I'll be like, right, we need to do some sex and relationship lessons. <laughs> and like, it's quite responsive. And, it, and, and as a youth worker, you can, you can almost sit down and each half term and go, right, what's, what's, what's the temperature? What's, what's going on in our young people's lives? What do we need to teach into? And I think, actually, we need to be a little bit more proactive. And we need to think, actually, what are the things that we need to put into our young people so that when they go off to university, they know, and we're certain that they know them. And if we, if we, say, if we sat down and went, right, what do we want to make sure that we teach our young people? So I, I'm, I'm saying that we are gonna, um, we're going to be more proactive in what we teach. Um, and we're, we're going to be adopting seven principles for our youth work. And those principles, what will happen is we'll teach into them every year. We'll teach into them differently every year, but they'll be the same principles and the same basic lessons, but the way that we teach them will be different. And I believe if we teach them well and the young people apply them to their life, then we will see generations of young people serving Jesus in the community and making disciples. So we're going to have a, a, a short break. Um, and what I want you to do is imagine your child is going off to university and you are loading the car what essentials need to go in the car? Okay, so not, not character, not personality stuff, purely practical stuff. What needs to go in the car? Have a discussion. Feel free to go and grab a little drink, a cup of tea, coffee, or whatever. We'll come back in about five, five or six minutes. And have a, have a discussion with some people. What are you making sure goes in the car? Discuss. So, what would you make sure was in the car? Shout some out, go on. Betting. Oh, bedding. I was like, what, what kind of plans have you got for uni? Um, what else? Clothing, good. That's a good start. Phone and charger. Oh, the amount of times I've gone away and forgotten my charger. And my toothbrush, I've always forgotten that. Anything. Else. Someone last night said a doorstop. Is that what you said, Gemma? Why a doorstop, Gemma? There you go. There you go, parents. Doorstop. It's a good one. 
Yeah, it's good security. Hey, what else? Anything else? Biscuits. Good shout to share. I wouldn't share my biscuits. Anything else? Bank card. Good. Preferably theirs. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be theirs, but just with your money in it. Um, so what we're, what we're looking at is these principles are um, what we think are the uh, spiritual essentials that go into the car when they go off to uni. So our youth work at the moment runs from the age of 10 to the age of 18. And what we're thinking is, is we want to pack the car spiritually so that when they go off to uni, they're prepared and they're prepared to follow Jesus. Now, some of them won't go off to uni, they'll go to the workplace, but it's the same principle. When they become an adult, what are we preparing for them? What are we packing their car with? Um, So, uh, without further ado, we're going to make our way through the seven principles. Um, And the first one is authentic faith. Young people ebb and flow all the time in their belief. I am Look at the culture of young people who are Christians in this country, and I call it um, top-up Christianity, because they they swing from one festival to the next. They go to Soul Survivor or Fort Rock and go, oh, God's amazing, and then they go home and go to school and go, I'm not really bothered anymore. That's what young people are like. And actually, we want to teach our young people that, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The God who's in the tent at Soul Survivor and, and in the venues at Fort Rocky is the same God who's with them when they're at school and here on a Sunday morning. Uh, and we want to we teach them that God is constant. That even though their circumstances may change, God never changes and God is constant. God loves them and God is always there for them. That's what we want to instill in our young people. We want them to have a solid foundation in who God is. One of the uh, biggest things that young people struggle with is their identity. Is, is their self-image, their self-esteem. And actually, this, this is where we will unpack the truths of what the Bible says about our young people. If they follow Jesus, that they are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made, that God loves them with an everlasting love. The, the, it's the stuff that, if you've ever done the Freedom in Christ course, it's the first three sessions of the Freedom in Christ course. We're probably going to repeat them every year because they're so vital for young people. You know, the the amount of times I have conversations with young people who who don't see themselves as having any value, don't see themselves as as having any worth. And we're sat there going, but God's got a plan for your life. God God loves you. And and this is what we want to instill in our young people. Um, We're going to watch a little clip. This is a, I saw this clip and I thought, actually, I think young people face this every day of their school life. So take a look at this. This is a red balloon. It's true, it's red, we all know our colors. The absolute truth is that this balloon is red. No, it's not, that's green. What? This right here is a green balloon. That is the prettiest yellow balloon. (laughs) Yellow? This is red. Yeah, come over here. No, it's green. It's red! Yeah, I know, it's a red balloon. (laughs) Hey, will you look at it from my point of view, please? What? Hey, nice blue balloon. It's green! Green? It's red. Why are you saying it's red when it's blue, huh? It's totally purple from here! Purple? Okay, you know what? Let's just settle this once and for all, okay? Where are you going? Hey, what color is this balloon? I only see in black and white. Hey, Mark, what color... There is no balloon. This is ridiculous! Hey, I know what the problem is. Look, uh, my mom taught me that this was blue. But, um, you know, then she said this is red and green, yellow, you know, and on and on. (laughs) 
Okay, I get that your mom taught you that that was blue, but I mean, that's not the truth. Whoa, why are you talking bad about his mom? Yeah. I'm not. Listen, I respect your mother. Thank you. And the way she raised you. She taught you that it was blue. Our moms taught us that it was red. That's the way it goes. I thought you said it was green. It is green. See, I'm smart. I went to college. And in college, I learned all these different theories about color. Really? And my color professors who have doctorates in color. Do you have a doctorate in color? Uh, no. It shows. Okay. <laughs> they can't even agree on one theory of color, so you have to look at all the different theories and pick which one works best for you. And green is great for me. That makes sense. Thank you. No, you can't just pick whatever color fits your life the best. Red is red. Okay, do you know the word intolerant? Yeah. Because that's what you're being right now. All right, you're shoving your opinion down my throat. Okay, it's not my opinion, it's the truth. <laughs> hold on, hold on. All we're saying is that we need to stop arguing about trivial things. Like truth. You know, the funny thing about truth is, it's true, whether you believe it or not. Do you know, our young people face that kind of opposition every day in schools, not just from fellow students, but from teachers. I've had so many conversations with our young people about teachers that have had a go at them in, in science, in RE, and you know, I want to teach our young people and, and help them to cope with those kind of kind of moments and, and help them to know that, that even though people challenge the truth, even though people say, I'm clever, so I know God isn't real, we want them to be able to say, no, I know that God is real, and whatever you say isn't going to shake me. And we, we also want to help our young people to answer the difficult questions. We're not going to scare away from those. We're going to do question panels. We're going to tackle the big issues. We want to equip them to answer them, but also help them answer those questions for themselves as well. Um, so at the moment, looking at this uh, authentic faith principle, we've actually launched it already, um, and we're currently looking at the character of Abraham. So we started off uh, the Abraham series by looking at um, where the Abraham story starts, which is actually with Abraham's dad. Um, and the Tira, his dad, gets up one morning and says, we're going to Canaan. But they only get halfway and they stop. And then Abraham's dad dies halfway. And uh, I talked about, you know, how would Abraham have felt there? Because he's only halfway. He's only on this journey because his dad got him up one morning and dragged him. And I said, you know, for you guys, you might think that you're here this morning just because your parents got you out of bed and dragged you here. You might think that you're only on this journey. You only come to church because your parents bring you. I said, but actually, God's got a plan for your life. And the very next verse after Abraham's dad dies is, is, is God saying to Abraham, go into a land I will show you. And we said to the young people, you know, it's not just that God's got a plan for your parents' life, but he's got a plan for you, and he's got amazing plans, and we want to see and help you to live those plans out. In a, a couple of weeks, we're doing a session called The Name Changer, uh, where God changes Abraham's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. We'll look at the significance of that, and then actually look at the significance of what God does in our lives and what God says about us. So we'll be unpacking the truth of the word of God and, and instilling those those important truths in our young people's lives. We'll look at something different. I think we'll probably do Freedom in Christ again at some point with the young people because that was so valuable um, in the last year. Um, so that's authentic faith to kick us off. The second one is spiritual disciplines. Young people do not read their Bible. In fact, most Christians don't read their Bible enough. And you know, we, we ask our young people this, this question quite a few times. If you took away a Sunday morning and a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, whenever it is that you come and meet as part of youth, where is your relationship with God? Because 
It cannot rely on me as a youth worker. It cannot rely on anybody else. You have got to invest in your relationship with God. So what we want to do is we want to help young people to to learn spiritual disciplines. We're not just going to give guilt-loaded messages of going, you know, you must read your Bible more and you must pray more, because we could all do that and we could all feel guilty afterwards. But we want to teach young people to engage with God. So we're, we're saying, you know, download the Bible on audiobook. You know, there's a certain version of the Bible on audiobook where Samuel L. Jackson is the voice of God. That's pretty cool. Um, we say to the young people, buy worship albums and put them on your phone, put them on your, on your iPod and listen to them on the bus on the way to school. Um, we, we're just trying to give them practical tips on how to spend time with God. Um, we're going to look at this this uh, in January, so as we start a new year, look at them, kind of start new disciplines in their life, and we're going to look at the life of Jesus. Um, there's a Barclays advert out um, about football, and uh, it says right at the end, to love is to follow. So we're going to look at the life of Jesus, and we want the young people to fall in love with Jesus, but also to learn some of the disciplines that Jesus had. We'll look at the times when Jesus got up early, and we'll be challenging them, get up early, get up an hour before you go to school and spend some time with God. And we'll be challenging them to go and spend some time away from, from their PlayStation or the TV. <gasps> shock, shock, horror, horror. But we want, to, we want to give them opportunities and help them as much as we can to get these spiritual disciplines in their life. Um, As part of this, uh, we're committing as a youth department to make sure every young person has a Bible and a Bible that is relevant to them, you know, because we want, we want them, we don't want them to go, well, I can't read the Bible because I haven't got one. Um, So we want, we want to give young people Bibles, um, but we also want to encourage you to buy them for them as well (laughs) and to save us money. Um, We'll also be telling them to download them on their phones as well, um, because there are some great apps um, on their phones. Um, The... I just think this is vital. I think like, if we teach our young people how to be spiritually disciplined, I think it's half the battle in, in seeing them um, get to 25 and beyond and still love Jesus. When they go off to university, when they've not got you breathing down their neck, when they've not got me there, they've got to make their own decisions. They've got to make their own decisions to go and find a church. They've got to make their own decision to come home a little bit earlier than everybody else on the Saturday night to get up for church the next morning. They've got to make that decision to spend time with God because if they don't, they're not going to get it elsewhere. So I think this is such a vital principle that we teach our young people and help them to have spiritual disciplines. We're going to look into getting some Bible reading notes for them and trying trying to give them to them. We just want to find every way that we can to help young people pray and spend time with God because it is such an important part of their journey um, as a Christian. The next one is pure relationships. This is something that I would have said anyway we do once a year, fact, because actually teaching intersection relationships every year is not enough because our young people are taught into it every day by the music that they listen to, the TV programs that they watch, their friends at school. They are bombarded with messages about sex and relationships. And often in churches and in youth work, we're scared to talk about it because we don't want to say rude words. I'm quite happy to say rude words, but I think it's so important. And it's not just, we're not going to sit there and give them a list of do's and don'ts. What we want to do is teach them to strive for purity and and teach them the whys. Why is this beneficial? Why should I wait until I'm married to have sex? What are are the benefits of it and what are the consequences of, of not waiting? And we want, to, we want to teach into that. And I think it's so, so vital for young people. 
because actually if they get into the wrong relationship, it can, it can mess everything up for them in terms of their spiritual life. I've seen so many young people fall away because they've got into the wrong relationship. And I'm desperate for our young people to make good decisions in their relationships. Um, we're going to look at this, I think, in March, I've put it down to look at. And as part of that, we're booking an organization called Romance Academy to come and do a, a roadshow called Let's Talk About Sex. And it is uh, for youth workers, children's workers, and parents. And it's designed to help you talk to teenagers about sex. So the beauty is your, your young people are going to absolutely love me for this. But they're going to teach you and help you to talk to your, your children about sex. Because I think actually as, as parents and as youth workers, I've been to, to these seminars recently, you know, we need to learn how to, how to engage with our young people and talk to them in a positive way. Some of you are shuddering at that thought. <laughs> Others of you are like, yeah, I'm up for that. That'd be great. But I think it's important as we're talking about this with, with the young people, it's important to equip you to talk about it with them as well. Um, all the leading experts say that we should uh, that we should talk about this with with younger teenagers. Now we have certainly done it with Resound and we've certainly done it with college age, um, but we've kind of uh, kind of diluted it quite a bit for uh, Excel. And I think going forward, I want to not probably to the extreme that we would talk about it with Resound and college age, but I certainly want to talk about the about sex and relationships more with Excel. Largely because from, from year six and before, they're hearing about it at school from their friends. The, the amount of things I hear year seven uh, pupils say about sex and relationships forever shocks me. And, and I think actually we, as a church, we need to be teaching into this and teaching our young people how to think about it, how to behave about it, and what to think about it as well. Um, so we're going to do that, and we will obviously we'll consider who's in the room. We will think about the specific needs of specific young people in the room as well, and and it won't be as as kind of extreme or I don't want to use the word explicit, but it's probably the best uh, explanation really. For uh, we wouldn't be as explicit as we are in Resound and Excel with with ex, uh, sorry, with Resound and College Age, we would definitely be more careful in what we say with Excel. But I think it's so vital that we talk about that with them. Um, as part of this, we wouldn't just talk about romance and sex. We would be talking about friendships. And we'll also be talking about their role as a part, as a part of your family. And we'll be doing sessions on how to honour your mother and father, and which I'm sure a lot of you will be pleased to hear about that. Um, because they play such a vital role. If they come in with a mood, then it puts the whole house in a mood sometimes. I, and we want them to realise that. And we want them to play a positive role in your family. Let's move on. The next one is giving and serving. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Yet sometimes when we come to church, when I come to church, I want to sit in the right place. I want to hear the right songs. I want the songs that I like. I want to, I want to get fed spiritually. And yet I'm surprised when the young people come and have a consumer attitude towards church. When actually we need, we need to say to our young people and, and teach them and help them to understand that being a part of church isn't consuming something, but it's contributing. So don't be surprised if, if over the next year your, your child is asked to, to come to church at 8 o'clock in the morning to, to help with the tech team, to be on the car park, to help with the kids' work. We want them to serve across the life of the church um, because we think it's important that young people learn that. 
We're going to be talking about financial giving. Um, we're going to be uh, looking to do, once a term, we're going to be looking to do a social action project. So around Christmas, I'm trying to arrange that we go into a hospital or an old people's home and do some carol singing with them. Um, I'm trying to just find some stuff to, to engage our young people with the community and with, with needs other than their own needs. Um, you know, when we speak of wins and moments that make me go, get in there, um, a few months ago on a bank holiday Monday, I was sat at home and I got a call off one of our young people and he said, I'm in Starbridge and I think God's told me I need to, uh, there's a homeless person and I need to help them. So I said, okay, how much money have you got? And he told me how much money. And I said, I think it'd be a good idea if you, if you bought them some food. Don't just give them the money, but go and buy them some food or a cup of coffee or something. So he hung up and then um, he sent me a load of text messages and it was like, I've gone to the chicken shop. I'm buying chicken and chips. I've got the chicken and chips. I've gone outside. Oh, no, she's not there. And so then I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm eating the chicken and chips. <laughs> and then he texted back and he said, oh, she's back. And then he was like, we gave her the chicken and chips. And for me, I was like, I'm sat at home watching telly here. But one of our young people is out there engaging with the needs of the community. That, for me, I'm like, get in there. Come on, like, it's such a great example of what we're trying to do. I want our young people to understand giving and serving as part of the life of the church, but also giving and serving in the community, whether we organise it or not. I want, I want to see them going out and doing more stuff like that, taking risks for the kingdom of God. It's such a great thing to do, and I'm excited to hear when our young people do do that. Um, when we uh, left Soul Survivor the final evening, uh, Daniel Strickland again was speaking. And she talked about uh, the story where Jesus is on top of the mountain and Moses and Elijah appear. And Peter's like, let's stay here. Let's build a tent. Let's stay. And Danielle Strickland said, you might be thinking, I wish life was like Soul Survivor. I want to stay at Soul Survivor forever. Let me tell you, I wasn't thinking that. I couldn't wait to get home. Um, but I was imagining our young people were thinking that. And she said, you know, what Jesus said to Peter is, no, we need to go back down the mountain and we need to go back down into the valley. And when they go back down the valley, they're straight away met with needs and met with the needs of the people that needed healing. And she said, you're having this mountaintop experience so that when you go back into the valley, you can go and meet the needs of your community. This mountaintop experience is for the valley. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Young people take notes because that is the best message you've heard all week. And you know, that is exactly what we want to do. We want to give young people mountaintop experiences so they're better equipped to go and give and serve into the community and into the life of the church. So please do help us in that. Um, we are going to be asking young people. Some young people are already signed up to come and help um, as part of the tech team. Um, we're, in January, we're going to be launching a leadership academy for the young people. There's some of the young people that we've identified as real leaders, and we want to invest in that. We want to give them uh, opportunities to learn and grow. Um, we've got a youth Bands. We want young people to join the youth bands. We want to grow and develop those guys who are musical. We want them to serve right across the life of the church in terms of there's young people that absolutely love hanging out with, with young children. We want to get them involved in the kids' work. There's so many opportunities for the young people to serve and for us to invest in them. And we want to, we want to make that space available. So don't be surprised if they're asking you to come to church at all sorts of weird hours because that's, we're asking them to do that and it's part of this principle which is so key to their life. Um, let's move on. Next one, friends and community. I really like that picture. It makes me smile. Um, friends play such an important role in a teenager's life. 
They're so important. Friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. And we want our young people to make good decisions about the friends that they hang out with. That's why community is so important to us. We do a lot of socials. We do residentials. They are key in building relationships. A friend of mine did his dissertation on residential holidays, and he found that in one weekend, you can do up to six months' worth of youth work relationally. That's why it's so important that your young people come on residentials. I've, uh, we've just, I'm just waiting on approval on the budget, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be approved. Um, but we've put into the budget um, money so that if, you're, if you cannot afford to send your young person on a residential, we want to contribute and help you out because it's so important to us. So please do not say no to a residential based on money, but please do come and talk to me because we want to help you because it is so important. Community is such an important part of what we do because my dream is that the young people, uh, their primary group of friends is their church group of friends. You know that verse about iron sharpening iron? I'm desperate for them to sharpen each other up. I'm always encouraging our young people, talk to each other about God, pray together. You don't have to just pray when you come to Life Group or, or on a Sunday. You can pray together. You know, it's been really encouraging over the summer to see um, the young people in Resound um, just meeting up and hanging out in Liso's Park. And, you know, I didn't organize it. I joined them a few times with the dog. And, you know, it was a real encouragement to see them wanting to hang out with each other. And community is such an important aspect of what we do. We want them to make decisions about, about who they hang around with. I remember when I was a teenager and I decided to take God seriously, I made a, a conscious choice to change my group of friends. And I said, these group of friends aren't good for me. I'm going to go and hang out with people who are good for me. And I made friends with, they weren't the coolest people, but they were Christians. And I made the choice to go and hang out with them because I knew that it was an investment in my future because my friends determined the quality and the direction of my life. And we want to teach young people to make good friendships. So this year, when we look at this, we're going to look at the disciples and how they were as a community. You know, the, the diverse group that the disciples were. If you look at the character of each of the disciples, it is like, it's fractious. They're going to kick off. And we want to look at that and look at the diversity of that and, and look at the moments where the disciples grew as a community and learned together. So we're going to be looking at that over the next few years as well. Making wise decisions, number six. There are so much that the, there's so much that the Bible's not clear on. And we want to help our young people through the power of the Holy Spirit to make good and wise decisions. I'm sick of sitting with young people and going, Why did you do that? That is so stupid. And they're like, I know, but I don't know why I did it. And I'm like, I don't know why you did it either. We want to equip our young people to make wise decisions. You know, I would never stand up in front of our young people, I probably would in Excel, but I wouldn't with resound and college age, and say you should never go to a house party. Because I think, for me, as a teenager, when I was 15, it wasn't a wise decision for me to go to a house party. Because I would have been the one getting off with girls and being drunk and throwing up in the toilet. That would have been me as a 15-year-old. For my wife, Laura, it was wise for her to go, because she could go and represent Jesus. She would go to the house parties and tidy up and, and help people who weren't very well from drinking too much. And she would go and represent Jesus. So I would never stand up and say to our young people, none of you should ever go to a house party. But I would have individual conversations and say, I don't think it's a wise idea for you to go because you're, you're going to give in to temptation. 
Whereas I've had conversations with some of our young people who tell me that they go to house parties and I said, well, what goes on? What, how do you partake? And they said, you know, I don't get involved in all of that, but I just go and I hang out with my friends and I represent Jesus. And I think, good on you. I couldn't have done that when I was 15, but I want you to make a wise decision in that. We did a, a couple of sessions on sex and relationships a few weeks ago. And um, at the end of it, we challenged the young people and we say, you might want to think about doing a year of singleness, committing a year to not going out with anybody. I said, some of you don't need to do that. There's others of you that do need to do that. And in my head, I was thinking of one specific person. And afterwards, I, I cornered them and I said, you need to do it. You need to commit to this year because you need to put God first and not relationships. Now, I would not do that with everybody else, but for her, it was really important that she did that. And we want to equip our young people to do that. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 16 says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Often, when we send Christian young people to university, it can feel like we're sending them out like a sheep among wolves, and we're scared that they're going to get ravaged. And that's what we're scared of. But then it goes on, and it says, Therefore, be as shrewd as snake as snakes and, and as innocent as doves. And that's what we want to do. We want to equip our young people. They might feel like they're a sheep amongst wolves, but we want to teach them and equip them to make the sensible decisions. The moments when, yes, they need to go out and engage because they want to make friends, but they need to choose to disengage from certain activities. We want them to make wise decisions about their life. You know, choosing to lay down stuff, choosing to say, yeah, I really want to play football on a Sunday morning but it's way more important that I come to church. That's a wise decision, and we want to help our young people to make those difficult, wise decisions. And, and You know, a key part of this is looking at the power of the Holy Spirit and making sure that we're, we're talking to our young people about the Holy Spirit and the, the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit and making sure that we pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's how I make wise decisions is that I, I ask God and it's the power of the Holy Spirit that reveals those decisions. And I don't always make wise decisions, but I try my best. <laughs> um, final one, number seven, evangelism. This is not just about the church, kids. It's about the community. We are desperate to see more and more teenagers come to know Jesus. And we want to equip our young people to tell their friends. You know, who knows the most teenagers in the church? Who aren't in the church? It's the teenagers. They will never have more connections than, they, than they've got now. They, will, they are more connected to more people now than they ever will be for the rest of their life. They are so... Like, such, they've got such potential to be amazing evangelists. We could see incredible things happen in our schools, and I'm desperate to, to uh, equip our young people to be great evangelists. We want to help them answer questions, share their stories, um, invite their friends. We want to create environments where they feel comfortable in inviting their friends. You know, we're doing um, such a great job with Sunday mornings of, of adults feeling comfortable to invite their friends. And actually, I think the teenagers are feeling a little bit more comfortable to invite their friends as well. And I want, you know, I want Tuesdays with College Age uh, and Wednesdays with, with Excel and, and, and Resound to be comfortable for the young people to feel like they can invite their friends. I'm going to try my best not to do embarrassing things. <laughs> and I don't want them to bring their friends and me do something silly and them go, I'm really sorry about him. He's just a weird scouse guy. And we want to create environments that they feel comfortable. And if, if you're here as a hub volunteer, this is where your ears should prick up because, you know, if you, if you were to say, what's our evangelism strategy, then I would look at Hub. 
We've seen 753 individual young people come through our doors this year. Now we've seen three or four come to church and make, make decisions off the back of that. That's great, but it's less than 1%. I want to see more. I want to see that grow. And, you know, we're going to be meeting a, a couple of weeks as a, as a hub team about, about how we develop, how we go about evangelism. But I think it starts with talking to the young people. I think it starts with building relationships and just being bold and inviting them on a Sunday. You know, I think we'd be surprised at how close a lot of these young people are to wanting to come to church. I was bowled over the other week when a girl came and what God did and how she engaged with, with what went on on a Sunday morning. I think we've got to stop being scared to invite young people and we've got to be, get bold and say, let's invite them. The worst they can say is no. The best they can say is yes and their life has changed forevermore. That's exciting. You know, I'm desperate to see that happen. I want to, uh, we've got a, a small percentage, we've probably got about, I think about 10 or 15 of the, the young people that come uh, as part of the church young people um, that come on a Friday night. I want to equip them to be like undercover evangelists in Hub. You know, wouldn't it be great if, they, if they're hanging out with their friends and then going, do you know this is a church? Why don't you come on Sunday? We hang out here on a Sunday as well. Or come on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. I think that's a great way to do evangelism. Um, we, this time last year, as adults, we did the boot camp with Mark Greenwood. If you weren't here for that, it was kind of four weeks on equipping people to invite friends and uh, to church and to tell, tell their friends about Jesus and share their story. Off the back of that, um, I'm now working with Mark and with Youth for Christ on a youth version of the boot camp. Um, and because I'm involved in that, we're going to get a free pilot of the youth course. Yes. Um, so we're looking in the summer term to launch uh, the youth evangelism boot camp so we're going to be training up our young people in how to tell their friends about Jesus how to pray for their friends how to share their stories and I think that's incredibly exciting and I'm, I'm getting goosebumps even just thinking about it um, so these principles will underpin everything that we do in the life of the church we won't make a we won't make a decision for the young people unless it hits one of these principles um, and I think they're so key. The main environments that we'll teach into them, um, for Excel, it will be Sundays. Um, you know, at the moment, on a Wednesday for Excel Life Group, we're getting about eight to ten young people. On a Sunday, we're getting we're into the 30s, really. Um, so we've looked at a Sunday. That's where we're getting our consistent and core guys. So we're going to teach in that environment. So that's when we'll be teaching these principles. Excel Life Group on a Wednesday is, is going to be now a more social time, more time for building relationships. We'll hang out. We'll, we'll do a short kind of three to five minute testimony, story, um, little thought for them. Um, but the idea of a Wednesday evening is uh, to uh, kind of build community. Um, if you are a parent of someone in Excel, you'll have been given a little slip on your way in. Um, we are only getting about eight to ten young people at the moment. Um, and I just want to make sure that we're putting it in the right slot that works the best for the most people. Um, so if you could just circle the ones that uh, work for you, or work for your child at least, <laughs> um, then we want to find the best slot that works for them. Because I want to make sure that we're engaging with the most young people that we can and being the most effective. So if you just have a look at that and, and circle those, that would be excellent. Um, for Resound, uh, we're going to be doing the main bits of teaching on a Wednesday evening, 7 till 9. They're being taught right now as we speak about Abraham. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's been really our core, like, core time of teaching over the last six months. 
And in terms of Sundays, uh, we're looking at them being more and more in the service because I think, you know, if they're going to grow to be adult Christians, they need to learn to sit through an hour and 15 minutes of a, of a church service. And I think um, we're, we're looking at that series by series and Sunday by Sunday and going, actually, we, we, might, we might take them out at this point because that Sunday is not going to really work for them. Um, and it also might be that we have got a half term. So there's a half term um, just after Easter that's only four weeks. It might be that we look at that series um, that, and that principle in that half term and say we need a few extra sessions. So we take them out and we teach into the principle on those Sundays. Um, but largely, Razan will be out more than they're in on a Sunday. No. They'll be in the service more than they're out on a Sunday. Um, with college age, college age life group are always in the service on a Sunday. And their main teaching environment is, is a Tuesday. They're going to be following this program, uh, which is new for college age. Um, and I'm stepping into that as well with uh, Tim Davis um, and Beth as well. So me, Tim, and Beth are leading that between us. Um, and they're going to be following these principles, which is new. Previously, College Age Life Group had uh, followed the kind of life group notes that, that the rest of the church goes with, but we think actually these principles are so valuable for our, for our uh, older teenagers, our 16 to 18 year olds. So they're going to be following the same teaching plans. And obviously, the sessions are going to be different. We're not going to do the silly games that we do with Excel with College Age, although it could work, to be honest. <laughs> you never know. But we're going we're to adapt the sessions, but the teaching will be largely the same. But the idea for me is if you've, got a, if you've got a child entering the youth work at the age of 10, we've got eight years to teach them about how to be spiritually disciplined. We've got eight years to equip them to be great evangelists. Eight years going over the same, same principles, chewing them over at different levels, different, different kind of age groups and all of that. But eight years to fill that car and send them off to university ready to go and be an adult Christian and serve Jesus for the rest of their life. That really excites me. And, you know, we're going to look at these principles in 12 months' time and go, are they working? These aren't. Some of them are set in stone. You know, we're not going to change the authentic faith one. But, you know, there's, there's some that we're, we're a bit like, oh, we might, we might rejig it a little bit. Um, but we're going to see how it goes for the next 12 months, review it, and see if the stuff that we've missed, stuff that we need to add, stuff that we can maybe merge to or whatever. But we're going to review it in a year's time. But it so excites me. You know, I think young people, based on these principles, will be so well-equipped to be a fully devoted and active follower of Jesus and making disciples at the age of 25 and beyond. That's the dream. So what can you do just as we finish? Do you know, I love your children. I love your young people. But I bet you love them more. I've got such a heart to see them serve Jesus for the rest of their life. But I bet you your heart for that is bigger. So I want to work with you. I don't want, I don't want you to think that, that, oh, take them to Andy and Andy will make them serve Jesus for the rest of their life. You know, we're going to work together on this and I want us to. And, you know, the first thing that I think you can do is pray for them. You probably already do, but I want to encourage you even more to pray for your child. Praying for them has such a valuable, um, it's so valuable, it is so important that you pray for your child. Um, encourage them to attend as much as they can. You know, sometimes they'll get home from school and they'll be like, oh, I can't really bother. I want to play FIFA. I want to go on Facebook. Um, and, you know, I feel like that as well. <laughs> but it's so important that they, you encourage them to attend. When I was a teenager, my dad referred to his car as dad's taxi. And, you know, I think 
what's what's a 15 minute round journey of dropping them off at youth club on a on a Wednesday night if they follow Jesus for the rest of their life it's nothing is it I really want to encourage you to to encourage them to attend as regularly as possible uh, back up what we're teaching uh, Helena Barks has started as the new children's and families pastor and she's great she's brilliant and uh, she's given out to uh, the parents of the children, so you might have one if you've got ch- children in the children's work, um, of what they're looking at over the next half term, the, the topics, the Bible verse, and kind of a little overview of what's going on. She beat me. I seen that and thought, that's a brilliant idea. So what I'm looking at is, is each half term, I'm going to try and get out to you a little outline of what we're looking at so that when, when your child gets home, and you say, how was life group? You'll get more than, yeah, it was all right. Or, mm. You can ask leading questions. Oh, I believe you were looking at Abraham tonight. <laughs> you can say those kind of things. Yeah. I, and you'll get more out of them. And it means you can back up what we're teaching. You can teach into it a little bit more as well and help them. You know, Ask them, you know, was there a challenge this week? Often we leave, we leave the young people with a bit of challenge and, you know, something to stick up in their room or something that they need to do before the next week. Ask them those kind of questions. Um, talk to us. Give us feedback. Keep us informed. We want to know what's going on in your young person's life. If, if there's stuff that's, that's sensitive that you think they might be a little bit upset or we need to just be careful of uh, and there's stuff going on at school, please do talk to us. Because we don't want to react in a way that's insensitive because we were ill-informed. Please do let us know. And, and give us feedback as well. If you feel like your child's not, not engaging and not being included, please do come and talk to us. We want to try and engage and include every young person that comes to this church and that's a part of our youth work. Um, and, you know, we're not going to do a time for questions now. Um, but please do ask me any questions. I'll be around at the end. Um, but also get in touch with me. Um, Feel free to add me as a friend on Facebook. You might have to put up with a few fa- uh, football statuses, but that's okay. By the way, I'm avoiding the score, so if you know the score, please don't tell me. Um, but, you know, I'd love to come and sit and have coffee or tea with you. I'm a tea drinker. So please do invite me around. If you want to chat about, about the youth work, if you want to ask me any questions, come and meet up with me. I'd love to come around for a meal. If you're inviting me, I'll take free food anytime. Um, but I, I want to do everything that I can to see your, your child grow to be 25 and beyond and following Jesus and making disciples for the rest of their life. I wonder if we could just pray to finish. Um, I think it would be a good idea if we got into groups and prayed. Um, so if you're a parent, um, then you know, I encourage you to pray for your child. If you're here as a volunteer, um, then just pray for some young people that God's putting on your heart. Um, so get into groups of about three or four and just spend a bit of time praying, um, and then I'll pray to close. Go.